you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, masking and socially distancing when and where appropriate. And you can see it over my shoulder. One more day until we reach the start officially of the 2020 NFL season. This has been the longest, shortest time or the shortest, longest time, depending on how you want to define it from the end of the Super Bowl when the Chiefs hoisted the Lombardi Trophy to where we are right now, but we have made it, so it is so exciting. We are certainly ready to get things going. We got a big show for you. It is the moment you have been waiting for. We will give you our first starts and sits of the season. We'll also kind of give you some strategies for week one, and for those of you who are out there straggling and still have some drafts to do, we know there are a couple of you, we'll give you some last-minute draft tips to kind of help you build that perfect fantasy squad going into the season. By the way, it is not too late to sign up for the official NFL fantasy football game. Just go to NFL.com slash fantasy and you can start your league today for free. Get your friends together. Get your drafts going. You can still get in on this thing before it is too late. Well, before we get too much into this show, let's go talk to our faithful producer, Senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, we have finally made it through the long, dark night of the offseason. How excited are you for the start of this year? I really couldn't be uh, more excited. I think, obviously, as a nation, we all need football back, whether it's, you know, pro football or college football. Uh, week one for me, my Giants playing the Steelers. What a great matchup. Uh, have one more fantasy draft later today. Have all my teams almost ready to go. I mean, it's just a, it's a great time. And it's like I said, it's something that we all need to uh, just enjoy for once instead of worrying about all the, you know, the craziness in this world. It's, it's come at a uh, perfect time. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, it has been kind of a – to say it's a weird year would be an understatement, uh, but football coming back at least gives us something that is close to normal. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I know it's been great having the NBA back and baseball has been sort of fun, but this is the, the one thing that has sort of stayed on schedule. Like, you know, it's, it's helped us mark the passing of time. So uh, very much looking forward to that. Well, now – Joining me every week on this show, every Wednesday, looking forward to it a whole lot. I mean, you know him. Uh, you love him, unless you were a 49er fan last year, in which case you probably didn't. But it is Adam Rank. Uh, so glad. Uh, Rank, I can't believe they're letting us do a show together. I'm, I'm curious to see how long this lasts. But for now, I'm just going to sit back and sort of enjoy this thing. That was very bold of you to say that I was going to be here every Wednesday, because I feel like I could wear <laughs> out my welcome in about 20 minutes First of all, I could point out that Eddie Murphy, I know for, for, for those of you who are just here on the, the audio version, he's wearing a tank top, right? With a, with a sweatshirt, with a, with, a un, with, a, with a hoodie. I don't know what was going on. It was very <laughs> disconcerting. I didn't hear a word that he said, but it is delightful to be here and to talk about the football season and everything that's going on. I'm certainly excited for it. And yeah, I'm ready. That, I, that's all I have. I, I wish I had something more, uh, you know, inspirational to say, but that's it. <laughs> it's, it's, it's early. I'm sure something will come to you uh, at some point. So as we jump into this, let's do some fantasy news and headlines as we start. Well, what is, I guess, week one essentially for us. Sean McVay says he is planning a three-back rotation for the Rams season opener against the Cowboys. That is on Sunday night football. This has been a backfield that has kind of been murky all offseason long. So, Rank, how do you see this rotation playing out in L.A.? What's up with you, Sean McVay? You were the innovator two years ago. <laughs> Everybody who was in your circle, who was in your circle of friends, who was on your, you know, who, whoever followed you on Instagram was getting a head coaching position. <laughs> and now all of a sudden, you want to go out there and mimic what, what Kyle Shanahan was doing? And I, it's cool. I understand what he's saying. Like, he wants to go through. He doesn't know. He doesn't have a Todd Gurley yet, and they're going to figure it out. For me... I'm not too worried about it because I really believe that Cam Akers will eventually win out and be the running back who is going to get this gig. You know, if there's anybody who is used to running behind a subpar offensive line, it's Cam Akers, so I think he's the shoe-in. I do 
think that Cam Akers should officially change his name to Cam Akers, who ran behind a bad line at all at Florida State, because that's how everybody talked about him this offseason. I sort of stayed away from this backfield in a lot of fantasy drafts. I took a few shots at Daryl Henderson late just because I think he's still going to get a lot of opportunities when he's out there on the field. But I just didn't have a good feeling about anybody. And Sean McVay didn't do anything to inspire confidence because he name-checked, I think, literally every running back that ever wore a Rams helmet at some point. So you may be right. Cam Akers may end up being the guy, but it's not enough for me to feel confident about this this rotation, at least not in, in week one. Uh, May speaking, I add something else? Sure, to that? go for it. By the, take, by the way, stop the B-roll. This isn't fantasy live. You don't have to cover it. Like <laughs> my face is covered enough when I'm on network television. Let me talk to the people directly, face-to-face. Let, let me see them. Let me look into their eyes and tell you this. One of the, and if you, if you haven't drafted yet and you're trying to look at something, and I hope that – okay, I wanted, to make, I wanted to make sure my child wasn't running in the background or something. But if you haven't done your draft yet and you're looking for a quarterback late – this is why we love Jared Goff, because last season, only the Tennessee Titans ran the ball more inside the five-yard line than the Rams. But without a bell cow running back, that means more passing opportunities for Jared Goff. That was it. That was my PSA. That's my TED Talk, and thank you. I know you've been big on Jared Goff, and I'm, I'm sure we will get to it a little <laughs> bit later in the show, because you have been uh, a huge Jared Goff supporter over the last you know week or two. Uh, in Cincinnati... A.J. Green reportedly looks good, but Zach Taylor says they are going to monitor his snaps in week one. It has been more than a calendar year since we have seen A.J. Green play NFL football. So what should you do with him this week if he's on your roster? Well, I'm probably not going to play him because the Chargers have one of the better defensive secondaries, even after losing Derwin James. I know their quarter cornerbacks are two of the best, Hayward and Chris Harris Jr. Are you kidding me? So I really don't want to start any of these receivers, him or Tyler Boyd, or even taking a chance on anybody else. So I like it long-term. I really do believe that Joe Burrow is going to have a nice season. I believe that you can trust these Bengals receivers moving forward. But for right now, I'm going to stay away. What are you thinking? Well, I mean, I think I'm sort of with you. I also admit to I sort of got burned by A.J. Green because I took him in a salary cap league last year and I held on to him just waiting to the point of kind of no return. So I admit that my feelings are a little bit hurt. I do expect that the Bengals are going to have to throw the football this year because I think they're going to be playing from behind. So that is good news for Tyler Boyd, uh, for A.J. Green. I think the only difference is this isn't a team that's going to rely on Green like they did in the past. I don't see him getting you know 25 to 30% of the targets like he did in, in years past because they can spread the ball around to some other guys out there. That depends, obviously, you know what happens with John Ross staying healthy, what happens with Auden Tate, what happens with T. Higgins. But I just I, I think the days of A.J. Green being one of those you know top 10, top 12 fantasy receivers is probably gone just because, one, the injuries, and two, because you know, they don't need him to be that guy anymore. So that's, that's my concern with A.J. right now. Also, I a kind of a little saucy pick that I'm kind of looking at. What if CJ Uzama comes out and has a nice year? Like, I don't Danger know. Zone, I'm just no, Danger Zone, you alum, CJ Uzama? Yeah, I was looking at it. I mean, obviously, you're not going to draft him because I'm too busy drafting Blake Jarwin all over the place. <laughs> but I do think that perhaps at some point this season, he will be a streaming option. You know, I think you're probably right. The, the question is, will you pick the right week? to stream CJ Uzama. That, that's going to be the, the trick there. Um, last bit of news in New England, Damian Harris is going on injured reserve. Now this is different this year than it was in past years because that means you can come back after I believe three weeks uh, is the way it's set up this year because of the COVID season. There had been a battle back there between Sony Michelle and Damian Harris. We know James White is still there, Rex Burkhead, but what does this mean in terms of how this rotation stacks out in New England, you think? Well, honestly, you weren't drafting Damian Harris to start week one, so I'm not sure how much of an impact that should really have. What you were doing is picking him for the future. And so I still believe that by the end of the season, when they start going through that second half run to the playoffs, that he will end up being the running back. And we've noticed this from the from the Patriots in the past, is that their team that plays from weeks 9 through 16 or 17 – is much different than the, the team that starts the season. So I think that it, he's a great – if you have a chance, especially if you have IR spots, stash him on your IR. Don't let this guy go. 
I, I completely agree with that. I also think it was interesting because for basically 20 years, uh, or at least you know the last 15 years or so, the Patriots were so much better than everybody else in their division that they could treat like the first month or six weeks like preseason, and then like, hey, let's just kick it into gear in the back half of the year and let's go win the division. Uh, maybe that's different this year, but I still think by the time the season's over, Damian Harris is going to have a pretty good role. And I am totally on board with if you can stash him somewhere, absolutely do it because I think there's so much more upside than, than anybody else in that backfield. So, uh, hey, today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, a leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So in theory, putting your lineup together for week one should be the easiest week of the year. I mean, you went through a draft. You picked up a whole bunch of guys you really like that you think are going to ball out this season. But we also haven't seen anything of any of these teams, even less so this year because we didn't have any preseason games. So... I figured this is a good time to talk some strategies entering week one, how to approach starting your lineup and trying to build your roster. So as we sit here, obviously you drafted guys rank early on that you think are going to ball out this season, that we're going to be studs. How do you decide between just starting your studs blindly or playing the matchups if one looks like it might be problematic for you? Well, who are you drafting as backups? Like I have Derrick Henry in a league and – the matchup against the Broncos is going to be very tough. Well, I, you know, obviously Von Miller being injured for the season changes it a little bit. But even though you have a stud and like there, but who are you starting over him is my big thing. Like, what are you doing? Are you like, well, I think Bryce Love might have a better match. Like, no, you're not going to be playing stuff like that. So I always think to myself that, you know, you're going to end up playing your good players. I think where you play the matchups is where you have guys, if you're deciding between Will Fuller, and Zach Moss, like, where do I want to go? I should really explore this matchup. So I know it's an idiom to be like, oh, don't be the start your stud. Like, your stud is still probably your best player, like, despite a bad matchup. Like, Derrick Henry has a bad matchup against the Broncos. I am starting him in real leagues, but if I'm putting together a DraftKings roster, I'm probably not going to play that player. I think that's sort of the thing, right? The guys that you drafted in the first – I would say three or four rounds, you probably feel good enough about that regardless of the matchup, you're going to start them this week. You're probably going to start them most weeks because they, in theory, are that good. It is when you sort of get to the mid-round guys, the guys that maybe you're not so sure on that you start playing matchups a little bit more. Uh, I do feel like week one, everybody's feeling great about themselves. Everybody feels like they have a good start to the season. So why not play those guys that you really truly believe in? I think sometimes people get a little bit too cute uh, especially early in the season when they start playing matchups and, and you know nitpicking here or there. Look, just you drafted these guys for a reason. Go with it week one. And then, you know, we'll, when week one is over, we'll have overreaction theater on that Monday and everybody will panic <laughs> because, you know, Patrick Mahomes only scored you like 17 points instead of the 35 that you were hoping for. And then we'll adjust from there. But uh, otherwise, I think just just you believed in them for a reason. So, so start them there. Uh, we've got a lot of new head coaches. A lot of new offensive coordinators and play callers around the league that certainly going to change the way offenses look. Which of these guys are you most looking forward to watching? Are you paying closest attention to in the first week or two? Well, I do want to see who has familiarity and who's worked with players before. And I think if you go to Teddy Bridgewater in Carolina, you think, well, Joe Brady and him, they're new. They don't know each other. They probably have to exchange. No, no, no. These guys, they work together in New Orleans. So before Joe Brady became the offensive coordinator for the LSU Tigers, he was an offensive assistant for the New Orleans Saints when Teddy Bridgewater first arrived. So there's some familiarity there. I'm interested to see what Scott Turner's going to do with the Washington football team. I think that's a pretty interesting one. Plus, you also want to look at some of the new defensive coordinators and see how that's going to work out in a lot of places. Like, is, is Cleveland going – like, when you're trying to line up and you're trying to figure out, like, what are the best matchups? If you look at a team that's going to be playing Cleveland, for instance, and I think that Joe Woods is going to end up being a, a fantastic defensive coordinator, that can also factor into it as well. And plus, you know, going back to Carolina, they're starting so many rookies on defense. They've got a new defensive coordinator, like looking at that situation as well. So in the early part of the season, I think it's overarching for when you're trying to make lineup decisions, lean on coaches and 
quarterbacks who've had at least one year together because that's going to have the they're going to have the biggest benefit. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. You mentioned the Browns. Uh, Kevin Stefanski is one that I really want to watch just because we've seen so many reboots in Cleveland and they always say that this is going to be the one. But I, I think maybe this is going to be the one uh, with what he did with the Vikings offense. And maybe he can bring that to, to Cleveland and kind of get Baker Mayfield kickstarted because there's certainly plenty of weapons there. It's just about getting them in the right spots. Uh, another one that I'm sort of interested to watch is Jay Gruden down in Jacksonville, mostly because... I want Jay Gruden to go back to his arena football roots where they just threw the ball all over the place and they scored a ton of points because this team's not going to be very good this year. They are sort of in They're a rebuilding situation. They're not going to run it. Right. They got real Leonard Fournette. They're not going to run the football. So put the ball in Gardner Minshew's hands. You know, let the mustache work. Throw it around to DJ Chark, LaVisca Chenault. Just get those guys involved. So that's one I, I just feel like, you know, just let it rip because you really have nothing to lose if you're the Jaguars. So I want to see Jay Gruden just sort of let it all hang out. I think that could be that could be a lot of fun this year down there. Um, when you're talking about reboots and you're talking about Cleveland, of course, Cleveland is the home of Superman. And they finally nailed it. I thought that Henry Carville was the best Superman. I like Man of Steel. I'm sorry. I know I'm a DC stand. I don't know how many. DC Funkos you can see here <laughs> in the background. I know they're all over the place or whatever. But the thing is, is I, I, I like that one too. And I think the one thing that really helps out with Stefanski is that the play action was such a huge part of the offense in Minnesota. Baker Mayfield was the third best quarterback on play action last season. So I'm hopeful of that one. I just want to see if they end up CGIing Kevin Stefanski's mustache out at some Would point. Would you stop? <laughs> just stop. <laughs> um. I know this time of year, sometimes we get caught up in looking at last year's numbers to try and project what's going to happen this season. FPA numbers are a big thing when we're sort of looking at week one matchups. How much stock do you put into last year's FPA numbers? And what's, what's the best approach to that? Well, it's interesting because I took over Stardom Sidem this year and trying to figure out the best matchups for week one, trying not to go too far back into the past, being like, hey, they allowed just... Like the New England Patriots, for instance, they allowed just one rushing touchdown last year. And you're like, oh, that's pretty impressive. I might not want to start Jordan Howard or Matt Breed or anybody like that. But then you realize like half that defense is gone. Like James Van Oy is now a member of the Miami Dolphins. And I think Jamie Collins, you know, all these guys moved around. I, I know Detroit took a bunch of guys. Miami, they're trying to do the Patriot way. So you don't want to get too caught up into it, especially if there was a lot of player movement. But you think about, again, the continuity. Like, Bill Belichick loses players every year. His defense is always good. So that I feel okay about. Like, okay, that I feel good about. Carolina, who we talked about a moment ago. Like, I might take a moment and re-examine that. I'll look at Dallas. They have Mike Nolan as their new defensive coordinator. They lost Byron Jones, who went to Miami. They lost Bobby Quinn, who's now a member of the Chicago Bears. So I can't look at the Cowboys' numbers from last season and say, Oh, no, like that that doesn't matter. But I can look at Pittsburgh, which still has one of the best defenses in the NFL and still get a pretty good gauge of how their defense should perform. I think another thing for me to, to take into account is that usually at the start of the season, we see defenses sort of ahead of offenses because timing is such a big thing. And this year, maybe even more so because these teams have not had a real chance to, to get on the field and work in game situations. I know teams have had scrimmages, but it's not 100% the same. So I know a lot of players have said they expect the first month probably of the season to look sort of sloppy as everybody's getting their timing together. So that might help defenses early in the year. So I think when you look at a defense that was pretty good last year, and you know, as you mentioned, if they're still fairly intact, I think that gives them maybe an even bigger leg up over the offenses they're facing. Again, let's go back to the whole start your studs thing. I think if you have, you know, a, a top-notch uh, wide receiver or quarterback, it's not going to stop you from, from starting them. But it is just something to sort of keep in mind just because, hey, look, the defenses, at least early on, may have an advantage just because they are they're more, you know, they're less timing-based, I should say, than a lot of these offenses and, and these passing games. That's going to be so terrible when these games are more lower scoring than everybody wants them to be because of that. And they're like, oh, my gosh, like we want football. We've been clamoring for football for so long. And now we're like, oh, yeah, that game was 13 to seven. Like, perfect. That, that makes me worried about the Bears and Lions because I thought that was going to be a low scoring game to begin with. Um, that could be a soccer score <laughs> if, yeah. if this thing turns out that way. 
we talked about Cam Akers and the Rams backfield. They are not the only group of running backs that are going to start with a rotation this year. If you have a back in a rotation backfield, what's the best approach? Yeah, you know, I, I think that most of the NFL is set up that way, though. There's very few players that you can look at that are going to be the number one running back. And even the guy, like even the guys who are going in the second round, like Miles Sanders, like you still got to be concerned about Boston Scott. Well, he's got the injury thing, but you also got to be concerned about Boston Scott. So still, I'm going to draft the or I'm going to play the guy that I anticipate getting the most opportunity there. And you look at the 49ers as a perfect example right there, where they they seemingly had a new running back every week. And so I know a lot of people who drafted Raheem Mostert probably don't feel great about it. You're like, ah, this is probably not going to work out. And then Tevin Coleman's going to get his run and McKinnon's going to eventually work in there. And then they're going to go and find some guy in the arena league and he's going to show up <laughs> and he's going to score 20 points one week. And it's going to be disappointing. And Matthew Barry's going to go and have a rant about it. And then it's going to touch off the whole thing. But anyways, <laughs> my, my feeling is, Again, you wanted to look at a situation that was pretty good, like that you felt pretty good about. That is why it never made sense to me that more people weren't jumping on the bandwagon for Josh Jacobs. And so that is always distressing. But I do like – I know they're showing the Browns right now, so I'm sorry, Marcus, I'm gonna, if I'm going to step over one of your points because I know you made this on the Tuesday NFL Fantasy <laughs> Live show. But I was – no, I was thinking about this too, is like looking at – Kareem Hunt, if you feel like they're going to have to throw the ball in that game, like you should start Kareem Hunt, right? No, I, I agree. And I think I think that's part of the way for me to sort of look at this, right? If I'm drafted, if I drafted a back that's going to be in a committee or if I'm starting a back that's going to be in a committee, I want to feel good that the team you know, that they're on is going to be playing in, in games where they are, you know, are close or ahead, where there's going to be a chance for them to run the football. I mean, it's one thing to get a committee back on a team that's possibly going to be losing. I mean, that's, that's why I've sort of gotten a little bit leery of the Antonio Gibson hype as his ADP has risen, because I still think Washington's going to be bad, and there are going to be a lot of games where they sort of have to abandon the run game, and, and that could potentially affect Gibson or even Bryce Love. But if you look at, you mentioned San Francisco, that's, a, that, that's going to, in theory, be competitive this year. Uh, Indianapolis is another team that should be competitive. So Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack should still get on the field quite a bit. I think even Tampa Bay, for all the you know the digital fist fighting we've done over Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette and LaShawn McCoy, the Bucks are going to be better this year. So there's still a chance that those running backs will be involved in the third and fourth quarter. Whereas you know there are other teams that that could be bad and their running backs are, are not going to be quite as effective because they're just they're going to be throwing the football a lot. So that that is I think my caveat is just just have a, a feeling that your team is going to be in the game when you start the running back in, in that particular contest. All right, last bit of, of strategy here. What is the advice you have for anybody who's looking at starting rookies in week one? Just general. I mean, I know like look, their CEH is great, but just kind of a general overarching approach to rookies. Well, the wide receiver position, I don't believe that you can trust any one of them. I, I just feel that the, when you're a receiver, there's too much feel. Where someone like CEH played in a pro-style offense, like LSU was actually the 33rd NFL team last year. So he was playing <laughs> He was playing for an offensive coordinator who's now calling plays on the NFL level in Carolina. So I feel very comfortable going in with CEH on Thursday night. He plays for Andy Reid. I'm sure they've They've got him up to speed. He's playing with a team that's locked and loaded and ready to go. Like, obviously, they're the defending Super Bowl champions, but those guys know what they're doing. It's got to be really easy when you join a team that's turnkey ready, and it's right there for you. So I, I feel a lot of confidence with him. The rookies at the wide receiver position, probably not as much for me. What about yeah, Jonathan I, I Taylor? Agree. You like him? Jonathan Taylor, I love. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have a huge week one. I mean, I talked about Indianapolis as one of those teams that I think is going to be in fairly uh, positive or neutral game scripts a lot this year. And I think in week one, especially against Jacksonville, I could see a situation where the Colts get out to a lead and in the second half, they just sort of ground and pound. And, and so I, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to kind of burst on the scene in a big way. I'm with you, though, on the wide receivers. I think it's just going to be a tougher transition for them. Um, I, I know I'm oversimplifying when I say at the running back position, it's just get the ball, hit the hole. I know that's, that's a little simplistic, but I do think that makes it a little bit easier 
for those guys to sort of get acclimated to the game versus trying to run routes and, and learn coverages and that sort of thing. So I'm sort of with you on a lot of the, the rookie wide receivers. I'm going to wait a week or two, see how they fit into this offense, how their, their offenses, and then decide what I'm going to do with them right there. So about 24 <laughs> hours from now, we will be gearing up for the start of the 2020 NFL season. It starts with the Chiefs and the Texans, the defending champs. Uh, against the team they rolled in the playoffs last year. They, they spotted the Texans 24 points. And they're like, all right, let's go. Uh, and then they're just like running past them like the Texans were standing still. So we get to have a redo, so to speak, uh, to start the season this year. When we look at this Texans offense, the one of the huge changes, there are a lot of changes, but the biggest one is that they sent DeAndre Hopkins away to Arizona. So what do you think this Texans passing game is going to look like this year without Nuke? You know, can I say one thing, though? Like, sure. Devonta Freeman is still an unsigned free agent. Mm -hmm. Would you rather have David Johnson and the guys they're running out there, their stable of receivers, or would you rather have Devonta Freeman and DeAndre Hopkins? Like, does that – I don't know. Oh, Would you rather have Todd yeah. Gurley? I'm going to have Devonta and Nuke. That's all day. Absolutely. What is happening, Bill? Why is he being praised? <laughs> like, he, you signed Deshaun Watson. Congratulations. But anyways, I know the question was about the receiving core. And one of the biggest questions will be how long can Will Fuller stay healthy? And I hate to bring this up because he's a fantastic player. And he's good. he's a great talent. And I've been drafting him all over the place. I felt really comfortable taking him as a wide receiver three in a three receiver league or a, a flex guy in a two receiver league. Because when he's on the field, he's amazing. When he's targeted more than seven times, he will put up huge fantasy numbers. So the only thing it comes down to is he's available. And to me, here's the thing. I don't care. I'm drafting him. And I, I, I go in knowing that he might not always be there. It's like your friend who lives across the country. Like, yeah, he's not going to be here every week. He's not going to hang out all the time. But the weekends he comes in, you're going to hang out with him. And you're going to have a good time. And that's the way I feel about Will Fuller. I'm completely on board with that. And I think early in fantasy draft season, I was sort of like the, I don't know, he's going to get hurt. And then I started looking at where he was available in drafts. And I'm like, well, wait, if I have two other receivers that I really trust and believe in, why wouldn't I take Will Fuller as like my third receiver or the flex, as you mentioned, because the upside is so great. Uh, I, I do think the, the Texans went out and basically got a whole lot of the same guy. When you talk about Will Fuller and Brandon Cooks, and they have uh, Kenny Stills, and I think they added Randall Cobb. I mean, they have, yeah. like, the same guy. Like four, It's like multiplicity, basically, in real life there in Houston. <laughs> but the idea is if, if these guys stay healthy, we know how productive they can be. I, I know Brandon Cooks didn't have a great year last year with the Rams, but I think that was sort of a blip on the radar. When you look at what he had done all the years previous to that, I think he gets back to being productive again with Deshaun Watson. You talked about Will Fuller. There are a lot of things, I think, to like in this, this Texans passing game, and it is just a matter of these guys staying on the field on a week-to-week -week basis. Uh, sort of side note, though, Rank, what do you think the Cardinals passing game looks like now that Nuke is down there and just signed a big extension down in the desert? Well, I really like him. I mean, I, I think that he's going to walk into that situation and play very well. I, I think that he's shown over the course of his career, even before Deshaun Watson became the quarterback, he was a good receiver. So I'm not really worried about it. I'm not sure that he's going to go out there and be the benefactor of 150 targets unless Cliff Kingsbury can actually do what he says he's always going to do and speed up the game. It's like, yeah, bro, that was a good plan. You never did it last year. So if they do go out there and they, they they become this offense that's dialing it up and they're running more plays than everybody else, it's going to be great. And there's no way that I'm going to avoid DeAndre Hopkins. I, I really do. Like, this was crazy to me is that I wasn't getting enough shares of DeAndre Hopkins just based on where I was in drafts. Over the weekend, I got a trade offer that was – I was getting Terry McLaurin straight – no, I was sending – Terry McLaurin straight up for DeAndre Hopkins. I spent three hours trying to find injury news. Like, what am I missing? <laughs> what am I seeing? Like, I say, like, I understand. Like, he might not have the numbers that he had with the Texans. He is still a great receiver. Like, what, what has happened? This could be something that you pull out in week 17, be like, hey, Rank, remember when you thought that Hopkins was going to be better than <laughs> Terry McLaurin? But he is still a fantastic receiver and should benefit down there. And Christian Kirk is another receiver who I like out of that offense. 
Yeah, I, I, I've heard a lot of people sort of downgrading DeAndre Hopkins. And, and yes, he's not going to get the same target share in Arizona that he got in Houston, but he will still see plenty of volume. I, you know, I, I like Christian Kirk, but I still am sort of waiting for him to have that big breakout moment. I know Larry Fitzgerald is there and he is still going to somehow clock about, you know, 70 receptions for about 750 yards and maybe a couple of touchdowns. But this is probably the last go around for, for Fitz down there. DeAndre Hopkins is still going to get plenty of run in this offense. And so maybe he's not, you know, the 100 catch guy, but I still think he puts up solid numbers. And I haven't understood uh, the knocks on him and, and why people have downgraded him so much. Back to Houston, though. When Hopkins went to Arizona, the guy who came back the other way in that trade was David Johnson, coming off a couple of really poor seasons down there with the Cardinals. How do you see him fitting into this offense in Houston? How did you see his video of that game in Tampa Bay last year? Like, mm. do we, did, did Bill O'Brien not watch tape? Like, <laughs> it's one of those things that, like, we've seen him play, and it hasn't been great. Like, he had one big season in, two, was it, 2015? What was the year that you won the Fantasy Live League? It was uh, like 2016, I think it was. 2016. Whatever it was, like, you were David Johnson. You were the one. I uh, was. You were ahead of the game. You were the David Johnson above all else, or no matter what, whatever the, the line is from game day. And, or draft day. And so, One of those. but like he had a great run, but we've seen running backs just disappear. I've never seen one fall off the table for a number of years and then have this return to greatness. We just don't see it in the NFL. And I'm just not confident that it's going to happen. And I know that he's in the best shape of his life and he's looked amazing in camp. And yet here's my thing is they've got Duke Johnson there. Like he might not even David Johnson might not even be the best D Johnson in that backfield. <laughs> like what is happening? So I have I have no shares of David Johnson anywhere. I would rather have Duke Johnson. And if I have to go out and wear this one in week 17 and admit that I'm wrong, I will do that. I don't feel that is going to be the case. Early in the spring, I told myself a story where I saw a David Johnson revival. Because I went back and I watched his first four or five games last year, and he didn't look bad. Then he got hurt. He had the back injury. I think he sort of rushed back from that a little bit, especially once Kenyon Drake stepped in there and started playing well. I think David Johnson really tried to rush himself back, and the results were not great. So I told myself the story that maybe having the year off to get healthy was going to do him some good. But then you mentioned Duke Johnson. He's there. They have all those wide receivers we just talked about. And the fact that Deshaun Watson is not known for throwing the football to running backs. He's a guy who likes to throw the football downfield. So that just doesn't seem to bode well for David Johnson. So as we got more into the summer and, and closer to the season, I really backed off drafting David Johnson because I just I just think he's going to be okay. I don't, I don't think that the big rebound is coming. I don't think there's going to be comeback player of the year talk for him. I think he's just going to be you know, a guy there in Houston. And that has sort of made me concerned about what about what he can be this year in that Houston offense. There'll be a On game the or two. But yeah. the, no, no, no. There'll be a game or two where he crushes it. And then that's when everybody's going to, oh, see, I told you. You guys were all <laughs> wrong about him. Like, bro, he's going to have at least one or two pop games. And I'm going to, and we're going to look, or at least me, I'll look like an idiot. But you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm used I to mean, it, I should say. So we're, we're used to that in this job. You just sort of shake it off and you move on to the next week. Uh, on the flip side, the Chiefs offense is one that you know, we, we talk about in glowing terms for good reason. Uh, they have so many stars there. They are so dynamic. Is there something, and, and if there is, what is it that worries you about this offense this year? I mean, I know it's probably dumb to say because it's a good problem to have, but it, it is really difficult to focus in on one guy that you know is going to crush it week in and week out. Now, obviously, last year, Travis Kelsey had his, what, fourth, fifth consecutive season with 1,000 receiving yards, and he was great. And I, I had plenty of shares of Travis Kelsey, but he wasn't the superstar that you would have expected him to be. For somebody in an offense like this, you would be like, I want him to have 1,800 yards and 13 touchdowns, but he was solid, and that's what we get with a lot of these Chiefs players, is that you have good football players. Tyreek Hill is a good football player. He has these amazing games. It's just hard week to week. Like, compared to what DeAndre Hopkins was working with last year, where it's like every game he's got to get targeted 19 times. With the Chiefs, you're like, you could go a full game and not give Tyreek Hill a single target and still beat your opponent by 31 points. 
And I know this is getting into the weeds and it's the dumbest thing to be worried about. It's like, it's like if, uh, you know, if Zac Efron's worried about being too handsome, you're like, shut up. I don't want to hear. <laughs> oh, you sing as well. Like I'm, I'm busted up for you. So I get it. I know it's a dumb thing to be complaining about. Well, but I think it's a like I, I go back to some of those Saints teams, you know, a few years ago where Drew Brees had so many options to throw the football to that you could never really peg whose turn it was going to be on any given week. And I so I, I do think that that is sort of a concern. It's not going to be enough of a concern for us to not start any of these key players in any given week. But I do understand where you're coming from. And by the way, our producer, Ryan Bartlett, who is a Chiefs fan, I'm sure he is smiling ear to ear over the fact that we're like, oh, the Chiefs offense is so good. We don't know what we're going to do. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's tickled pink by this whole conversation. I'm not <laughs> I'm not I'm not happy with him. And I still hate Hosmer. <laughs> You're still salty about Eric Hosmer? Come on, you got to let that go. Do um, I? Probably not. Uh, we we talk about obviously the, the skill position guys in Kansas City. You know, Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards-Helaire are top of mind. If you were going to dig a little bit deeper and try to find somebody else there, which player would it be in that offense? Well, I do believe that everybody, when you get to your end of your draft, you always see Mecole Hardman and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy has all the talent and he could be a breakout type of player and he's exciting. But again, it goes back to the situation of there's just way too many guys. There's way too many players. It's, it, it, it goes back to the, the Saints example that you were talking about where they would have Kenny Stills would have a, a pop game where he, he had double-digit touchdowns. And there's going to be times where you're watching these games and you're going to be really excited because you're not quite paying attention and you see it and, you're, and you started Tyreek Hill and you're like, this is amazing. And you're like, dang it, it was Michael Hardman. So that is the guy, though, I would look at. Probably is the guy to look at there. Although keep in mind that there will be the one Sammy Watkins game because there's always oh. the one Sammy Watkins game. <laughs> it's just yes. a matter of trying to figure out when that game is. Uh, yeah, so I mean, there it is. Like here, here we see. It was week. It was week one last week year. Week one, it was the Sammy Watkins game, right? So I, like, if you if you somehow started Watkins in week one, oh, congrats to you. But dude, that was it. That's all you got. I gotta tell you, um, Mama Dina who is a huge fan of NFL Fantasy Live. She's friend a friend of, of mine. She's, she's like, she's a friend of her show. She's a personal friend of mine. And so last year in our league, she had Sammy Watkins and started him. And I'm like, Dina, you got to trade him. Like, it's not going to get rid of him. Trade, trade him. Like, trade him to anybody. Like, get anything. She's like, no way. I'm going to hold on to him. And I, I beseeched her. And she just would not <laughs> listen to me. And uh, it didn't work out. But you know what? She yeah. ended up with the, the second overall pick in the draft this year. So sorry about that. Uh, and it's based so, I mean, on record, I guess, so. I guess something came out of it? Who knows? It's time for Secure Starts, presented by Visa for Peace of Mind Online. Visa's got you covered. And so, look, we know that for all the talking we do in prognosticating, you guys just want to know who to start and who to sit. So we're just going to boil fantasy football analysis down to its essence. Adam Rank has taken over the Stardom Sit'em column at NFL.com, so you can check that out at NFL.com slash rank. But Let's go through some of your favorite starts for the week. Let's let's start at the quarterback position. Who are you loving on right now? I love Jared Goff. And I this is one that I kind of presented late in the fantasy season because my friends love to snipe my picks so much, so much so that last year when nobody was taking Lamar Jackson, Mark DePaulo took him in the fifth round because he knew how much I loved him. So I kind of <laughs> slow played Jared Goff this season. And we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, why we do it, first of all. They're going to be more run-heavy than they've been in recent years. Although he did throw for a lot of yards last season, his touchdowns did fall. But again, without Todd Gurley, when they get near the goal line, I anticipate them throwing the ball an awful lot more. And you look at Sean McVay in his, what, now fourth year, I really do believe that this is going to be a huge opportunity for Goff to go out there, play a little bit better, get those touchdowns back up into about the 30 range, and this matchup against the Dallas Cowboys should be pretty good because, again, they're without Byron Jones, who's now in Miami. Quinn is gone. Mike Nolan is a new defensive coordinator. Sean McVay, undefeated in season openers. Start Jared Goff. Could be a, a pretty high-scoring game, I think, too, between the Cowboys and, and the Rams, both with, with pretty good offenses, a lot of weapons uh, at the wide receiver position. Uh, running back, you were staying in the NFC West for your top running back this week, huh? Yeah, I went back and forth because Kenyon Drake is a definite start for me. 
And part of me feels this was an obvious pick, and I'm trying to stay away from super obvious picks, but I have been getting a lot of questions about people because, of course, the 49ers defense is so great, so they don't know. So I'm going to say start Kenyon Drake. And everybody remembers the huge premier game that he had last year against the San Francisco 49ers. And why you chose not to run that tape, I will never know. But whatever, I'm not going to harp on it. The thing is, is he had that that monster game against the 49ers. It was great. Everybody remembers it. But then they played two weeks later, and he was still good against the 49ers. He scored 14-plus points, which I know you're. it's not great. It's kind of a little bit of a letdown, but it's still pretty good. It's like when you watch Ocean's 11 and you watch Ocean's 12, and you're like, this is garbage. And you're like, it's not garbage. It's not as good as the original one, but it's still pretty good. And you go back in hindsight and you watch it, and you're like, oh, it was pretty good. So I think coming here in week one, he's going to have a pretty good opportunity to get double-digit points again, 15 to 20, I think is a, is a safe, comfortable projection. So I, I'm starting him this week. Yeah, I've been a big Kenyon Drake stand pretty much all offseason long. Uh, I sort of have a bone to pick with you at wide receiver because uh, for the last couple of weeks, you've been poo-pooing on Kenny Galladay, but you love him in week one. What, what gives? Especially against the Bears, what gives? He's a Bears killer. Like, he's been destroying them. <laughs> and last year... He destroyed the Bears in on Thanksgiving with David Blau as his quarterback. David Blau, the quarterback equivalent of the tepid coffee you get at Jiffy Lube when you're getting an oil change. He went out there and had a pair of touchdowns against the Bears. So he's become this Bears killer, and even though the Bears' defense is going to be much improved this year, I really do believe that you start Kenny Galladay with some confidence. I think overall that the Lions, if the Lions are good this year, they're going to run the ball more. If Matt Patricia really wants to bring in the Patriot way, he is going to run the football, and that's why they drafted DeAndre Swift. That's why they panicked and brought in Adrian Peterson. But for one week, I really love Kenny Galladay in this matchup against the Bears. So am I reverse jinxing him? Well, you'll just have to wait and see. I do remember leading up to that week because David Blau was starting because it was the Bears on a fairly short week. We were all sort of like, maybe you should fade Kenny Galladay. And I think a lot of people felt that way. And then I remember, you know, midway through the the second quarter, my father, who knows just the basics of fantasy football, was like, "So did everybody start Kenny Galladay this week?" Like, uh, oh like, boy, like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think that happened. Uh, <laughs> tight end, Darren Waller was was huge last year. Sort of came, I won't say out of nowhere, but was very much a, a surprise pick for a lot of people. Uh, I have questions about him this season overall, but week one, you, you like him, huh? Yeah, it's. It's a difficult one because obviously Foster Monroe is there and he's kind of a Dallas Goddard type of player who takes a lot of action. They brought in Jason Witten. And so there's a lot of questions with Darren Waller. But number one, I wanted to go with somebody who had a little bit of familiarity with his quarterback. Obviously, him and Derek Carr had a pretty good connection. We talked about looking at the defensive coordinators. There's a, there's a whole new staff in Carolina. There's a bunch of rookies who are going to be starting this game for the Carolina Panthers as well. So I'm trying to get as much shares of Raider players in this game. And Darren Waller seems like a pretty obvious one. Uh, and then just wrapping it up with the defensive side of the football, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they, they've got, look, I love Daniel Jones this year. I think he's set for a big year. The start of his schedule, though, does him no favors. And he opens it up uh, with the Steelers in week one. Yeah, this is a pretty easy one for me. The Steelers were one of the top defenses in fantasy last season. They create a lot of turnovers. They get a lot of sacks. The Lions, or the, excuse me, the Giants have a problem with the offensive line. They have a problem with Danny Dimes turning the ball over. So this is a combination of two things coming together. It's a Monday night game. It's exciting. So the Steelers, to me, were a pretty obvious selection and probably one of the chalkiest picks. And I know if you're still doing a draft, I would actually put a little bit more capital into taking the Steelers, if for nothing else, for week one. If you're, you know, if you're down at the end of your draft and you're picking between, you know, Paris Campbell or the Steelers, why not take the Steelers defense? Because I think they'll end up giving you double-digit points in week one. I think I think people forget that the Steelers were the number two defense in fantasy because they were so far behind the Patriots because the yeah. Patriots were just so great last year that we kind of forget about what what happened about behind them there. There you go. That was Secure Starts presented by Visa. So. We've done the starts. Now, in the interest of fairness, we have to do the sit. So let's start at the quarterback spot, your sit. Uh, I'm guessing this is not just because you are a Bears fan that you're picking this quarterback to sit. They're playing the Packers, so I'm screwed either way. I don't want to have to praise the Packers' <laughs> defense. 
But in two games last year against the Green Bay Packers, Kirk Cousins did not score double-digit points. He was held to, what, nine points or less. In Week 16, he was sacked five times. It was kind of an embarrassing game, the kind of game where you would have been embarrassed for the player had it not been Kirk Cousins. So this is an easy one for me. I think the Packers' defense could be really good this year. They're really starting to to grow as a defense, which I kind of hate. But, yeah, this is one – I mean, even, even so, like even if – even in a perfect world, Mike Zimmer doesn't want to throw the football anyway. Like Mike Zimmer approaches the passing game the way my dad approaches his iPhone in that he doesn't want to use it. So this is an easy sit for me for a variety of reasons. I don't think you'll survive if you start Kirk Cousins. Uh, all right. Over at the running back spot, you sort of hinted at it uh, a little bit earlier, but uh, Derek Henry, a guy who was a top a top five running back last season. People have those expectations for him again this season, but you were not expecting a big start for him in week one, huh? All right, all the Titan fans are getting crazy. And if there is one fan base or team that has benefited from injuries to other players, it's been the Titans. Because the only reason they made the playoffs last year is because the Steelers had injuries and Ben Roethlisberger was out. Otherwise, the Titans wouldn't have made the wild card. But what does this have to do with Derrick Henry? Well, last year... The Broncos shut him down, held him to less than five points. The Broncos shut out the Titans. So all the Titan fans who are getting upset at me like, oh, Rank hates the Titans. First of all, I'm a Cal State Fullerton alumnus, so I can't hate the Titans. Number two, (laughs) they shut you out last year. And obviously things are going to be a little bit different this week when I pick these guys Von Miller was still an active member of the Broncos' defense, but they got Bradley Chubb back. They're, they're more, the Broncos' defense is more than one guy. So if you're in a standard family league, you're starting Derrick Henry. If you're playing DraftKings, you're not putting him in your lineup. Uh, at the wide receiver spot, uh, Devontae Parker was a guy that was coming off the board. And in the middle rounds, um, he, he kind of created the, the cardinal sin of creating bulletin board material for the Patriots. That seems like a no-no. What are you doing, Devontae Parker? Congratulations <laughs> to you. You had a monster game against the Patriots in Week 17 last year. Just live with that. Just go around, tell your friends. You can bring it up and all that stuff. But then you had to go on social media and pop off about it. And I know that Bill Belichick doesn't go on the Instabook or the, the face gram, or whatever it is. <laughs> but he still knows when you're talking S about his team. And I really do believe that the Patriots will be happy, even if they lose, as long as they shut down Devontae Parker. Like, you just don't do that. It's just how you've played in the NFL long enough to know this. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit him, unfortunately. All right. Uh, I would agree. I, I Plus, I've been big on Preston Williams this whole offseason, so that, that just sort of feeds into my uh, my own validation in that one. Uh, tight end spot, Austin Hooper goes to a new team. We talked about the Browns. It just, for me, feels like there's just too many mouths to feed in that offense for Hooper to be productive this year. Well, even in a great matchup, you figure that Austin Hooper is going to be the fourth, maybe the fifth option for the Cleveland Browns. But then you look at the matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, who did not allow a tight end last season to have more than 50 receiving yards. And I know we talked about this earlier in the show. How much do you put into last year's totals? Well, the Ravens' defense is still pretty good, you know, even without Earl Thomas. They brought in Calais Campbell. So I really am fearful of this team that's been together, that had the best record in football last season, going up a first-year NFL head coach that has that is working with a tight end. Like I saw somebody was asking me about this on Instagram. They're like, hey, should I start Hooper or Blake Jarwin? And I know Blake Jarwin is is the darling and somebody that I've been advocating, but it's like you can't start Austin Hooper this week. You have to sit him. Yeah, I mean Hooper going to, to Cleveland sort of took him off my board, but I think this week is definitely not a week that I would I would mess around with starting him. And then defensively, Seahawks-Falcons looks like a very interesting game, at least to watch from a football perspective, but you are saying stay away from that that Falcons defense this week. Yeah, the Falcons defense, one of their biggest question marks coming into the season was, can they get to the quarterback? And they lost Vic Beasley, and they replaced him with Dante Fowler. Dante Fowler had a breakout season last year in Los Angeles after moving on from Jacksonville, but you wonder how much of the success of Dante Fowler came from – playing with Aaron Donald in that Rams defense. It's like, oh, like if you were one of the periphery characters in Ocean's Eleven, like, oh, yeah, you were in a movie with George Clooney, and of course 
that was a huge moment for you. But now, not so much. So I'm going to sit the Falcons this week. Yeah, I, the Falcons, I think, yeah, it's interesting because at the end of the season last year, they started to pick things up and play better, but this just seemed like a poor matchup for them to start the year. They were better. They were better. So you wait until the absolute last possible minute to do your draft. We know there are some of you out there that are waiting until the, the latest you possibly could. So we'll give you some 11th hour draft tips. Uh, Adam Rank, what do you suggest to folks who are going into their drafts in the next day or two? Well, it, it's not a bad strategy because now you've seen everybody's cards. I mean, it's like playing poker and everybody has their cards up. So, okay, if you want to get that advantage, like don't 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 be concerned about it. But the one thing that I've really noticed in all of my drafts is that even though that I've been zero RB adjacent in recent years, you really got to walk out of the first round with two running backs. And I even say this knowing that you might get a chance to get George Kittle or Travis Kelsey, or something like that. But I've just noticed every team that I feel really good about has that opening base of two great running backs. Either you're in the top four and you get CMC, Zeke, Saquon, or Kamara, or you're at the end and you can choose between Jacobs, Drake, Miles Sanders, and uh, that other guy. Why am I forgetting the other guys? Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is in the middle, so that's probably what I'm thinking of. <laughs> I just feel like you got to have two two running backs. And then you look at that that run in the middle rounds. There's so many great – I just find myself, Marcus, every time I'm in that third, fourth, fifth round, there's like 12 receivers I would be very happy to have. And so I think that's the best way to go. And so that's how that, – that would be my one piece of advice for you. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. My piece of advice would be, look, uh, ADP is just a suggestion. It is not uh, no, it's a, thing the rule. a hard and fast rule. So uh, it just, yeah, look, if there's a guy you want and he's maybe a round or so earlier than the ADP says, don't worry about it. Go get him. Uh, just to make sure you have that peace of mind and you feel comfortable with, 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 uh, with what you're going to do. What's this uh, thing right here? Up. Wait, what is this thing? Wait, hold on. What? I want to point what? to it. No, I, I can't point. Oh, the that thing. The, the download the uh, if, if the I download just, the fantasy football podcast. If I just took my phone like that, would that work? I don't know. I was like, I was, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's working. See. I don't. I don't think. Hold that's on. Working. Let me try to Let me know if that works. That's so cool. How yeah, fancy right, are we'll see, we there now? There you go. Just like that, you can download the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. And that seems like a good spot to uh, say goodbye. We appreciate uh, you watching and listening. You know that's it. That is it. We are done. Thank you for hanging with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, sports is just God's way of teaching us time zones. Be safe, take care of each other, wear a mask, and we will see you on Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.